And I was struck by this verse from the Bible, uh, from the Apostle Paul, about his commitment and determination. It says, not that I have already obtained all this. And that refers back to what he's just written, and that's all that's available for us in Jesus Christ. I haven't got it all yet. I haven't already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I haven't got it all yet. There's fantastic things in the kingdom of God, but I press on for that goal of taking hold of what Jesus took hold of me for. And I believe there was a theme of pressing on in what Chris shared. But I thought about it. I thought, do I always feel like that? Do I always feel uh, I'm pressing on and there's so much in Jesus, I'm really up for it and I'm praising God and it's brilliant and I'm getting a hold of more and more and more of what there is in Jesus. I kind of don't always feel like that. Do you? You're all kind of on fire, pressing forward, getting hold of more of God. Don't always feel like it. Luke doesn't either. He's kind of grimacing. Everyone else is kind of not looking at me. We can, a bit, we can feel a bit stressed and pressurized. Can we feel a bit over busy, overwhelmed by circumstances in life. It's very, very easy to lose that connection with God, isn't it? I don't know if you find that yourselves. It's easy to lose that connection with God. It's easy to lose your spiritual vitality. Well, I've been through one or two seasons this year, and uh, I think December, January, it's fair to say that I was uh, feeling quite stressed. I wasn't feeling that well, actually, and I was a bit worn out and tired. And it was wonderful to have that opportunity of having a time of sabbatical for three months. And one of the phrases that came out at one of the places I went was, a change of pace and a change of place gives you a change of perspective. And there was refreshment and spiritual renewal in that time away. And uh, more time for prayer, more time for reflection. It really, really did me good. And so when I came back, I thought, I'm going to be more uh, contemplative and less busy now. <laughs> that was the plan. Now, I think I knew it wasn't, it's not always that easy in real life, is it? But I'd had this time away. I thought, when I come back, it would be a change of pace, and I'll be less busy and more contemplative. But I'm sure a lot of you in your work don't feel as cared for and appreciated at work, and you're much more stressed out, downtrodden. So there are times of crisis and enormous stress that come upon us as well. How do we deal with those? How do you cope with things like that? How do we cope when things aren't going well? How do we cope when we're feeling stressed? How do we cope under pressure? That's one I want to look at briefly and go away from my whinging and uh, go on to how we can connect with God. Second slide, please, Chris. And what are we like inside? What are the symptoms of us feeling under pressure and diminishing in our spiritual life or our soul life? What are the things that appear as signs that we're not in a great place? And there's a few there. Uh, I went to a seminar and a woman uh, called Hills mentioned some of these. Cynicism. Am I more cynical than I should be? Irritability. Uh, And when you are stressed out and you're not in a good place with God, it's very easy to be irritable and react in a way that you don't want to. Or an apathy. I just can't be bothered. It's just a weight of apathy uh, on you. Or a lack of focus. 
very easy to feel resentful. Or maybe it's a numbness, a spiritual numbness, or just you're over-anxious, feel incredible anxiety. Or some people get a martyr complex. You know, it's, everything's down to me, I'm the only one. All these kind of things are signs that we've lost that connection. We're struggling. Things aren't great with us. But how do we recover and press on with God? And that's the point, isn't it? How do we recover from feeling that way, from struggling with those things, from going through those situations? How do we recover and press on? There's many, many situations in the Bible that you can find people connecting with God in these times. I picked three guys we're going to look at briefly and just see their situations and then see what we can learn and then finish shortly. And the first one was David. Let's read out this uh, passage from 1 Samuel 30, so I don't do all the work. Let's read out this story after three. One, two, three. And his men reached Siklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked the Ziklag and burnt it. They had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam and Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. So David was called of God, he was chosen by God, and he was working for the current king, Saul, and then Saul was jealous of him and turned against him, and David was on the run. So he was in a difficult situation, but he had a good team of men around him. And while he was on the run from the, the Israelite king, he was pretending to be friends with the enemy, and he seemed to be on the surface, but behind the scenes he was actually damaging the enemy's work and undermining what the enemy were doing. And then he got sent back to his hometown when he'd been out serving God and working for God's purposes, and he was unjustly in exile. And the enemy had attacked home. So they got home, and they found out that while he'd been busy trying to serve God, trying to do the best in very difficult circumstances, his home had been attacked by the enemy. The wives and children had been kidnapped I don't know how he felt. He must have felt that maybe he felt he'd failed. His wives had gone. His kids were gone. Maybe he felt he'd failed personally. Maybe he felt he failed as a leader. He'd let his men down. And they felt that way about him. These guys that had served him loyally because of their distress at losing their wives and kids, they were ready to stone him and kill him. What could he do? What could he do? That's David. The next person is Elijah, and Elijah had done a great work for God. He cleansed the nation of false prophets. He got rid of idol worship. He brought people back to the Lord. And the king hated him. King Ahab hated him, but he was a relatively weak character. But the king's wife, Jezebel, she was much more scary. How many of you think wives are more scary than husbands? She was much more scary. 
and uh, she threatens to kill Elijah. Let's read these verses from 1 Kings 19. 1, 2, 3. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. So that's Elijah. He runs away. He feels miserable. He feels so uptight he wants to die. And he crashes out and falls asleep. That's his struggle when he's threatened by the king's wife, Jezebel. And finally, Paul, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. And let's read this account. This is him talking about his ministry as a Christian leader and the things that he's suffered. One, two, three. I've worked much harder been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false... We got the message. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked besides everything else. I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Wow, that's the manifesto for the health and wealth and prosperity gospel, if anything is. I don't know what to, to make of that, whether that's just a statement of the way it is or whether he was having a bit of a pity party, as Bev would say. He's recounting the things that he's been through, the things that he's suffered. And... I don't know how I'd cope with, with any of that kind of stuff. It's all truthful, I'm sure. There's lots of physical and mental suffering and all the physical abuse and the dangers. I think we heard the, the word danger there. He also was tearing his hair out with issues in the churches that he was seeking to grow for God. So what did these three men do? That's a, a taste of their lives, a taste of the issues that they faced. Did those things crush them? Did it sever their connection with God? How did they react? And let's finally look at them now and how did they press on. If you read the verses after the bit we read about David, it says this, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. 
Abiathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue that raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, the Lord answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. So he's lost his wife and kids. He's had all his friends turn against him. He's experienced this disaster. What does he do? Does he say, kill me? Does he try and run away? No, he finds strength in God. Or he strengthens himself in the Lord. And that's what we need to do. Whatever our crisis or whatever our tiredness, whatever our stressfulness, you can, I can, we can find strength in God if we connect with him. How does David do it? He asks for an ephod. What's an ephod? The priestly garment, a priestly garment the priests wore. So it was something that connected with God, a holy object that connected with God. And when famously did David wear an ephod? Yep, he danced with abandon before God. You remember he went absolutely berserk in worship. So if you were like me, just kind of standing there, that's good. But he went bananas in worship for God. He went berserk. He loved God so much. And if you know the story, what an idiot some people said. Uh, But he asked for that ephod and he prayed and maybe in his heart he was worshipping. And if we want to connect with God, if we want to find strength in God, we really, really need that. At those times we're stressed out, those times we're in a crisis. We can connect with God by finding something that reminds us of him and that could be as Chris was talking about the Bible rather than putting an ephod on picking up your Bible and meeting God in your Bible it could be going for it in worship and uh, that's something I think in my sabbatical uh, to reconnect more with worship I was blessed with different styles of worship and different times of worship while I was away and I like worship uh, music loads. I like listening to worship music. But you can get bored with it, can't you? Maybe you just got a few songs and you're bored with them. And I think over time, I'll be listening to less and less worship music and more and more secular music. But in the sabbatical, I realized that uh, I needed to connect with God. And worship was a key thing. So I started to download more and more songs. And it does make a difference to you. You need to maybe refresh your playlist. But songs that people are just opening up their hearts to God and they're gifted by God, skillful musically with words that are about the wonders of Jesus. They lift our hearts and spirits. And that's one of the things that helped me to find strength in God. And it certainly did for David. How about Elijah? He kind of went on holiday. He was running away in fear from Jezebel, but it turned into a kind of holiday. And um, when he goes away, the next words in the story say this. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. 
There he went into a cave and spent the night. And when he reached that cave and when he was there on the mountain of God, God appeared to him. And it's a story where God wasn't in the thunder, God wasn't in the fire, God was in the still, small voice or the gentle whisper. And he needed physical refreshment. And maybe if we're overstressed, worn out, working seven days a week, you actually need some physical change and some physical refreshment. It's good. It's a holiday season coming up. And I hope you find time in this season for that. You really, really need it. Uh, in America, they call them vacations, don't they? From the, the French vacances. And that just makes me think of vacant just being kind of pretty vacant, the French and Americans. We have holidays, which comes from holy days. So we Brits, we connect with God when we get some time out and some physical. The French and the Americans are just vacant, but we can connect with God. They're holy days. And there was a practical side for Elijah. He had some refreshment. He made this journey. He ate and he drank when he was feeling miserable. And then he traveled, and then he went. Where did he go? Mount Horeb, which is it's also called Mount Sinai. And that's a place where God appeared powerfully, appeared to Moses, made his face shine, gave the Ten Commandments, the law uh, that he had for us. So he went to a really uh, a place of holiness, a place where the presence of God had powerfully been. And then after a while, God's voice came through, a still, small voice or a gentle whisper, And God encouraged him. And he said, you're not alone. There's 7,000 others who haven't bowed the knee. And I've not given up on you. You want to lay down and die, but I've got more work for you to do. And God gave him the next things to do in his life and ministry. We need a break. We may need time of physical refreshment and renewal. We may need to go to somewhere that we can connect with God. I had the privilege of going to churches, retreat centers, and places that are easier to connect with God. And God will come through, and God will speak. And if you say, well, I haven't got time to travel to Mount Sinai or whatever, I find places like Dulwich Park or Mayo Park or Crystal Palace Park, just walking around the park, and I'm not hunting down Pokemon. I'm spending time trying to talk to God and listen to him and share with him. Dulwich Park's got this hidden kind of pathway right around the edge of the park, behind the trees, behind bushes, all around the edge, and it's fantastic. And just to, to pace around there and find the time to hear from God and connect with God is so important. And like Elijah, I can be refreshed and I can hear from God and I can be renewed he can encourage me that there are other people around don't have a martyr complex it's not all about you it's about God's purposes and he can refresh me and he can work in my life and that's wonderful and then finally Paul and if you read 1 Corinthians 12 9 to 10 he says this but God said to me My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am am weak, then 
I am strong. And God says to us, like Paul, my grace is all you need. Just come to me, turn to me, my grace is all you need. And God says, my power works best in your weakness. So our weaknesses can actually attract God's power and God's presence. And we can say, when I am weak in myself, then I am strong in God. And that's really, really wonderful. And some of the teaching on delighting in weaknesses and realizing weaknesses, uh, I got uh, some teaching in one of the places I visited uh, when I was away and went to a church a couple of weeks, a couple of months after a crisis had uh, blown up in the church. And one of the leaders uh, had thought a lot about weakness uh, over the past couple of months. What happened is this church had been built up from about 10 people to 1,500 people, a thriving community. And then it came out earlier this year that the pastor had done all that work under God, had had an affair with someone in the church and had to leave. And the guy that was talking about weakness was uh, someone who had to stand up at all. Yeah, it's one of these churches where you have five or six large services on a Sunday. He had to stand up service after service to tell the church what had happened and he just felt so kind of weak and so crushed but when I went there a couple of months later they were able to pray and minister to those of us that were there God's presence hadn't left them and they connected with God in really really difficult and awkward circumstances and in their weaknesses and in their humility they had found God and I was really really encouraged by that one of the things he said is he'd learnt to totally depend on God. And uh, I'm not a French scholar. I know some of you here speak French, so I'm quoting him. If he's wrong, it's his fault, not mine. He, learnt, he said he learnt to depend on God. And in French, dépend means to hang on or hang from in such a way that if you let go, you're finished. And that's how he felt. He depended or déponded on God, that he was hanging on to God and he knew if he let go then he'd be finished but he didn't let go and even though he was weak even though he'd been shocked by this uh, thing that had rocked the church he found that he could find his strength in God and so just three men, there's many many more characters but things that we can learn that when things are tough when things are stressful, when we face a crisis, when we go through tragedy, when we feel absolutely stressed out of our brains, we must, we need to, and we can strengthen ourselves in God, hear his still small voice, have a holy holiday with God, find refreshment in him, and get up and trust again and get on with the things that he's called us to do. And someone said this last week, when things seem to be falling apart, they can actually be falling into place. And despite the traumas and stresses, I think things can change and fall into place. And here, Sam's going to be back soon, if we can tear him away from Martha. That may be more difficult, but he is coming back. So we're looking forward to that. We're looking forward to Jenny coming back. We're not going to rush her back to work. But she didn't die. And she's, going to get, she's getting better, and she's coming back. And as you know, Joe and Emma 
are going to be moving into the house at Malham Road, looking after that. Joe's going to be a youth pastor. And two uh, youth work students are also moving into the house. So from feeling kind of stressed out and abandoned, uh, we can see how God is working and moving. And in the interim, we need to connect with God and draw close to him. If you're feeling stressed out, plan a rendezvous with God soon. If you're feeling cold, stand next to a fire. Find people that are on fire for God and they will warm you up. If you're feeling thirsty, go to the well and drink from God. It says in John 4:14, whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. The water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the things that you do in our lives. And Lord, those of us that I can identify with being stressed out or having a tragedy or a crisis, Lord, we don't want that to to knock us and finish us off. The enemy wants to crush us, but you, Lord, want to renew us and give us new life. And Lord, we pray that you will help us to find strength in you to be renewed in our spirits because we worship you, to find you in the riches of your words in the Bible, to know your love for us, to be prayed for and blessed so that we're recovered and able to do the things that you've called us to do. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I hand back to Scott to close our time, but... One of the other things I found really helpful was to be prayed over. And if you feel you're in a struggle, you're feeling dry or whatever, or you're cracking up a bit, get prayed for by other people. It's so, so wonderful. And uh, I, I found a lot of help by other people just laying hands and praying over me. We'd love to do that now at the end of the service.